I'm Louise Giulio, Executive Director of AW New York and Global Partnerships here at Advertising Week. And I'm Ruth Mortimer, Global President at Advertising Week. You're listening to the Futures Female Podcast from Advertising Week in partnership with LinkedIn. Each week on the Future is Female podcast, we'll be speaking to female leaders from across the industry. These exceptional leaders, fearless visionaries, and trailblazing executives will share their stories and offer advice to all women in the workplace, regardless of seniority. Thank you for joining us, and please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or your podcast platform of choice. Today, I'll be talking to Katie Ingram, Trade Marketing and Insight Director for the Evening Standard, about marketing, careers, and campaigning. Now, a quick trigger warning for this episode, we cover baby loss, so if this is not a subject for you, please do move on to our next episode. So welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're one of our future is female winners. And maybe to give our audience a bit of context, tell us a little bit about who you are, your career to date. Okay, so I am Katie Ingram. And I've been working in advertising and marketing for over 20 years. Um, and I started off at Sky quite some time ago, and I've kind of moved around some of the really big um media companies over that time so I started off at Sky uh, I moved over to Time Warner where I worked on Cartoon Network for a while then I moved from television into out of home and I was selling um, uh, out of home on the underground and bus for quite a long time before switching into a more marketing role uh, where I worked on the trade body for out of home before getting my job at the evening standard so the last kind of 12, 15 years has been very London focused as well there's been a lot of London media in my career to date and what was it about media particularly because I feel like it's been a very media career uh, I mean nobody does this on purpose right nobody leaves school going I know I'm going to get a job in advertising sales or, or marketing it doesn't happen but um, I grew up in a in an advertising house so my dad ran a uh, an advertising agency a full service agency when I was a child so I kind of was always aware of it aware of brands aware of what it meant to be in advertising so I guess I had maybe a bit of an insight into it from pretty early age really and um, but I did English and drama at uh, university I, I started doing drama when I was about nine or ten <clears throat> and um I, I literally got to a point where I just thought oh, do you know what I'm not I'm not prepared to have a career that isn't stable and I was still at university and I kind of really felt like there was always going to be someone in the theatrical world who was better and I didn't feel like I had the fight um which looking back on it was a bit of an interesting decision at the time but the, the confidence wasn't there to kind of wholeheartedly pursue that and I literally just started applying for jobs um back in the days of pre-internet really and I, I saw a job in the media guardian at sky sky was a very big name it was 2000 um and I applied for the job and was was lucky enough to get it which I don't know how many hundreds of people must have seen or and or applied for that job, but it, it sort of just took me on a route that has taken me lots of different ways through media and advertising. Um, but I feel very settled in the in the kind of marketing slash media owner space at the moment. It plays to lots of my skills, I think. 
So lots of the people listening will be thinking you've you've been working for some really great and very well-known media brands. But one of the reasons you um, won the Future is Female Award was actually for your No Words campaign. Do you want to talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because actually winning the award and and being recognised for some of the work that I've done outside of my career was a a huge moment for me. Um, And the No Words campaign was was born from a really sad place Um, and I guess there's a bit of a trigger warning to apply here um, because sadly many women who are listening to this, many people who are listening to this will have had similar experiences and just by the nature of the reason that I set up the campaign it might be something that they aren't necessarily expected to hear people talking about quite publicly. So um, in the uh, April of 2019 my daughter Ottilie was stillborn um, and that was after a period of infertility, a period of, uh, she was an IVF conceived baby and um, we'd had a, a long run up to, to falling pregnant um, and we'd fallen pregnant during, to, um, in 2018. Um, and at full term I was uh, arrived at hospital to be induced having had a reasonably good pregnancy, like there'd been a few um, monitoring elements I was 40 so I was kind of being the geriatric mother which is always a lovely term to hear um I I was being quite highly monitored and I'd been in the hospital the day before and everything was absolutely fine but when we arrived at hospital to uh to start the induction process and heard the word that hundreds of people hear every day sadly that there was no heartbeat um which is just you know hugely devastating in in so many ways um and continues to be you know Ottilie would have been uh four and a half now and it, it still affects me every single day in ways I still am discovering um but quite quickly I started to get a sense for, and it was coming through in messages and and cards and letters and 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 people kept using this phrase, there were, there's no words, um, which at that point in the early days felt like a kind of, it just felt like something that people were saying, you know, they just didn't know how to articulate their, their pain and sorrow for, for both me and my husband. Um, but as time set in, I started to realise that actually there literally are no words in the, in, when it comes to the world of baby loss. Uh, there, there just isn't any language around it and um and that's where my kind of marketing brain my ability to speak publicly my ability to write all kind of came together with my life experience to realize that there's some really simple things there is literally no word for a parent who outlives their child we understand orphan we understand widow we understand if somebody says to you they're a widow, you immediately understand what that means. There's no word for me. So I, I can't explain in one word to anyone who asks me if I have children. I can't just give them an answer. It, it doesn't exist. Uh, and it's because we don't talk about it. So all of these things started to collide and I realised that I could try and do something about it, if only to help people who were sadly going to follow in my footsteps to be able to have a really have have conversations to give them 
a dialogue to give them some language. Um, so that's what I did in, uh, in the summer of 2020. So obviously pandemic as a backdrop to all of this as well. Um, I was using Instagram a lot. I was writing, I was blogging, I was talking about my experiences, the feelings, um, and it all kind of born out of that. And then um, so we set up the No Words campaign, which ultimately is looking for that word. So when somebody asks me, do you have children? The answer is yes. And actually, the answer is now happily two children, because I have um, my second daughter, Noah, who uh, is two and a half. Um, <clears throat> so there is a there is some lightness to the tale as well. Um, but I'd love to be able to get to a point where people like me can answer that question with a word. And the, at the moment, I'm playing with the word um, the phrase still parent, uh, which I'm hoping I can kind of do a bit more work around. But, you know, using my marketing skills, I kind of got involved in, in the campaign and set it up and we got people talking, which was fabulous. And why did you feel? Because I think sometimes when a terrible, when a terrible tragedy happens to you, you don't necessarily become a spokesperson for it or feel you have the resilience and ability to speak out about it as well and help other people. What do you think it was that drove you to say, yes, not only have I experienced this, but actually I want to help other people? I think it's a couple of things. Um, one of those things is the more you talk about this, and I'm when I'm talking about baby loss, I'm talking about all loss, whether that's a, a miscarriage, whether that's a failed embryo transfer at IVF, whether that's a stillbirth, even when whether it's... Um, a neonatal death I'm, I'm talking about all loss there is when you talk about it there are very few situations where somebody doesn't say either that happened to me that happened to my sister that happened to my mum that happened to my aunt that happened to my friend like everybody without fail has a connection to it in some way and it just became really obvious that by me talking about it it was almost giving other people a license to say something where they might not have done before. There's a real sense of isolation in the early days after after any loss. And sadly, I've experienced um, early miscarriages as well, or a, an early miscarriage. And there's a real sense of isolation, like this has only ever happened to me. This is This is my experience. And of course, it is your individual experience, but it is happening all around you. And because people don't talk about it, I talked to some really senior women in advertising, media, marketing, publishing, and people were saying, oh, yeah, I, I had a miscarriage, but I just sat at my desk and, and let it happen because I was too scared to tell anyone what was happening. And these stories were coming out, and I was just thinking, this, can't, this cannot be right. It just can't be right that we are not talking about it to the point where people would rather sit at their desk experiencing a miscarriage than say, do you know what, I'm in trouble here and I need some help. Or has anyone else, can, like, can anybody tell me what's going on or what do I do? Or, you know, people, we, we talk about so many, we feed off experience of other people. But in this one, we just weren't talking about it at all. Um, so I felt that it was really important. Um, and then I, I, you know, I wasn't frightened to talk about it. Everybody I know who has children talks about their children in any context I've only got one context to talk about Ottilie in and that's the subject of her death which is horrendous but it also gives me an opportunity to talk about her to talk about her life to honour her to you know to make something 
better out of something so horrendous I couldn't just sit with it and and let it be I kind of had to do something um which was just my way of coping with it and and there's no denying that talking about it has been cathartic for me and therefore I kind of carried on doing it and so with no words the campaign do you help advise employers on what to do because one of the things I think with this situation which, like you say, has affected me, has affected almost every woman I know. And I think one of the things I notice is everybody handles it so differently that one of the things I've often felt as a manager is, how would I handle this for someone else who isn't me, who doesn't feel the same way as me? How how can you help companies work on that? I think it is something I would like to do more of, actually helping helping companies going into businesses talking to them and there are some brilliant companies who are doing that you know whose their sole purpose is to support um businesses around whether that's fertility treatment loss you know lots of different areas of this in this space for me personally I, i've been at the evening standard throughout this period and i have been treated incredibly well by my immediate peers and um, managers which i'm immensely thankful for um and one of the things that i think everybody has done is allowed me to kind of live my own experience but let them they have always let me know I'm there they're there for me so and I think that's the that's one of the the major things there are there's a couple of really easy sort of human things to do that aren't necessarily managerial things and I I I think men especially find that incredibly difficult you know for if a female member of staff comes to a male boss in this area then I think there are some really awkward conversations and helping people give them the language so or changing the language like one of the most difficult things and it's a very English and it's a very obvious way to deal with it is to try and fix it and lots and lots of people will say oh you know well at least you know you can get pregnant or at least you know there must have been something wrong at least that at least you know the baby won't be born and there'll be a problem later down the line and and that's one of the things I repeatedly say if you find yourself in that conversation as a manager as a friend as a family member starting a sentence with at least stop 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 (laughs) like you've just got to stop talking stop talking um because it isn't helpful I think they're the things around the language of it all that that we can really do to help businesses work out how to manage these situations for their their staff and because ultimately it leads to better working relationships more trusted personal relationships with your colleagues um which is only a good thing for everybody because everybody feels more supported as they as they're moving forward um but it, it is a difficult it's a really difficult thing to talk about in a in a professional setting I think I think it's a difficult it's a difficult area that very few companies provide training in but one of the things and I wanted to ask you about no words because I think it's such a powerful and important campaign particularly given that people don't talk but I think often throughout women's careers people don't talk about things or don't acknowledge things and one of the things I I have been thinking a lot about is what does success look like for women generally? What does achievement look like? Do you think that we we sort of value women's achievement too narrowly? I, I think that's possibly very true. I like I said, I've been I've been in this business for over 20 years and 
I'm definitely from a generation who was almost kind of expected to match that alpha male uh, attitude and behaviour in order to succeed. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that quite recent or recently um, so I've been managing younger and younger people and the, I guess the age gap between me and them only continues to increase um, I find myself feeling like I, I need to on occasion protect them from behavior that I think is normal and then realize that actually that isn't okay you know I might say you can talk to me like that but you can't talk to her and then think no actually you can't talk to me like that either and and I and so I think that sense of success being measured against quite traditional male expectations is something that is shifting and needs to shift a little bit more. And I, I, I think um, I've been listening to and reading a lot about that, you know, flexible working and hybrid working at the moment. Um, and I think I think that's a really interesting space at the moment as well because there are a lot of people talking about you know culture in offices and creativity and I was actually I was listening to um this might be a controversial thing to say on this podcast but I was talking to I was listening to Matt Schechner talking to John Hegarty on one of your other podcasts and they were talking about the importance of being in the office and creating culture and how creativity comes from being together and all of these things and I 100% agree with that. I really do think, you know, connections and face-to-face time and all of those things are really important. But what they're not talking about is the, the other side of the flexibility that allows you to be successful at home and at work. And I think that that is something that we really need to think about. I saw a really interesting, um, oh, I can't remember who posted it. It might have been can't remember who, who posted it somebody put it on LinkedIn recently and it was um a, a girl in America doing one of the kind of graduation speeches or lady in America and she was saying people ask me as a single mum how I do it all and the answer is I don't because if you see me succeeding here I'm probably not succeeding over there and you know I, I may be at this opening night but I probably have missed my kids piano recital to be there and that kind of stuff and, I, and it really resonates because I think as women we often find ourselves in a space where we feel like we're not really achieving for anyone you know you're spreading yourself so thinly and and maybe you don't feel like you're kind of bossing it in every every part of your life and so I think trying to find a measure of success where you can be can trough you don't have to be brilliant in everything all the time it could be a really good way forward I think. Do you know what I completely agree because I'm a big believer when people talk about work-life balance I think what's that I definitely I have not got that right in any way I don't know how you achieve it or what you're talking about and to me it's more like how can you create a life where your personal priorities are in the same space as what you're doing if you see what I mean like I get to do the majority of things I need to do with my kids. I get to do the majority of things I really wanted to achieve at work. And actually, that is what success looks like, not some unattainable vision that I actually, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm just not going to achieve. I fell down the stairs yesterday, Katie. This is not, (laughs) you're okay. For which, well, I mean, semi okay. This is a woman for whom achievement is standing up currently. But look, I think that's a really important point. So let's talk about challenges. Tell me about what do you think when you look at your career, what are the big challenges you think you've faced? 
and how have you overcome some of them? Well, it's a big question, isn't it? I, do you know what? Quite often, I, I am my own worst enemy in terms of setting unachievable goals, um, setting my setting my sights so high for what I want for myself that I can disappoint myself when I when maybe I don't achieve it. Um, but I do. I do feel like I have had a brilliant career or and continue to and I don't feel and I think I think I, I sometimes I look back and I can see instances of my gender being not holding me back but I can see instances where I in retrospect would have done things differently but I don't actually feel that it has prevented me from moving forward <clears throat> that might be because I was able I, you know, my personality and characteristics have allowed me to match some of that kind of quite boisterous quite um masculine traditionally masculine behavior um so that is something that I'm really working on kind of redressing now because I don't feel like it's necessary or appropriate anymore but I probably have been in that that space and I talk to lots of my peers and friends and we talk about you know working in the early noughties in advertising was a, a an interesting culture um but I don't feel like it held me back I, I genuinely don't um because I'm fortunate enough to have been able to to sort of navigate my way through it um I think uh pivoting oh, I can't believe I just said pivoting I hate that word I just, I just said pivoting Maybe um, we're gonna have to end the podcast due to your use of the term pivoting. No, it's okay. Carry on. It's carry on. Um, I I do think finding my I've made two sort of big leaps. One from working in quite functional traffic wells into a sales environment. And that was quite early on, but it did take me time to find my feet in that space. You know, there's some very unique cycles to the sales world and you know the quarterlies the yearly the annual you know the annual budgets the quarterly budgets targets you know and that took me a while to find that rhythm but then I also got to a point when that rhythm didn't feel like it suited me anymore and I didn't want to be a part of that in that space um which is where I looked to move to marketing and actually that was quite a big jump as well um and I don't really I, I think they are challenges. They're all personal challenges of how you navigate your way into a similar but different sector, um, and and then and then learn and be good at it whilst you're on the job. I think that's they're they're really big things to work on and make sure that you're again achieving, but in a realistic sense. I would also say coming back to work after having had my daughter Noah has hands down been the biggest challenge I think uh, professionally obviously personally that goes without saying but finding my feet as a working mum has been a huge challenge. Talk to me about that then what is it specifically that you go this is the big difference? Time, uh, focus, um, that natural balance of have like having set times that you you have to finish by I've got to be done by then because I've got to go because I've I've got to be there you know I had a 20-year career where I didn't ever have to 
leave now and and, and maybe there, there is something in that about you know having children much later and being really kind of comfortable in who you are what your career is you know the rhythm of your daily life and and coming back to work with different time pressures I've found incredibly hard and I would say it's taken me it it, it took me a year to feel comfortable with this is what it looks like now um and I'm definitely not there and I still feel like there are days where your focus is more one than the other or you you know you're trying to balance everything out um ultimately I know I'm doing a good job both at home and at work I know I'm making it work but I you just feel so stretched and I think that's that has taken me a really long time I guess maybe working out how to prioritize for different reasons um because you've got your priorities of work but then you've also got your prior like the priorities of home and what how everything slots together is is a far bigger jigsaw when there's children involved and I I obviously knew that was going to happen but I don't think I knew it was going to be as hard as it has been do you think people talk about that enough because obviously there's lots of people out there who have children you know other responsibilities it's not just children but other things in your life that take up time and effort and focus but like you said it can sometimes still come as a huge shock even when you know even when it's something you really want it can still it can still feel like a huge change do you think that gets talked about enough in the workplace no I mean I've been I've been around working mothers for the whole of my career but and everybody of course everybody's knackered and of course everybody's trying to make it work but I don't I very few people have actually looked me in the eye and said yeah this is this is harder than I thought it was going to be but it's the same thing it's the same reason why people don't talk about baby loss because you know I talk to lots of people who like well I couldn't talk about a miscarriage because if they knew I wanted to have kids then they wouldn't promote me or I wouldn't you know I wouldn't get that next move or I wouldn't get that pay rise and it's the same thing with parenthood you don't necessarily feel like you can go I'm having a really tough time here and I don't know how to make it work because then all of a sudden you're not taking your job as seriously or you know well if you just want to go and be a mum go and be a mum and 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 I'd like to be really clear that nobody I've never had that conversation because it's not true but I do know that people people do have those conversations and people feel that way I'm very fortunate that I can talk to my um my peers and my bosses and say you know there's a nursery Christmas party and I really want to be at that and they're like yeah absolutely but they know me they trust me and believe that I will do the work around my other schedule not everybody is afforded that luxury and I think that's a real shame and I and that is not spoken about I think I think it's just so important that people are to are acknowledging that the balance has to be found I agree and I think although I'm not very good at finding the balance I think both that for men and women because my observation would be I've been lucky enough to work with quite a lot of women who have talked about that because you are saying to each other you know I am so tired But actually, lots of the men I talk to say, oh, I'd love to go and pick up the kids more often from nursery. I'd love to do this. But I feel and they often say I feel other men would judge me. And not especially they 
they're like, I feel other men would judge me. It would be like I wasn't taking my career seriously. And I do think that there's a big piece of work that needs to be done all round in acknowledging that human beings exist outside the workplace. I think that's really true. And, and as you said before, you know, people have care and responsibilities of all different types. You know, you might have elderly parents, you might have, um, you know, other people in your life that need have that you have caring responsibilities for um and and all of those things take their toll on the day-to-day and it's the notion I can so clearly remember dads talking about oh you know I've got to go home tonight because I'm babysitting and I always remember thinking I don't understand what you mean babysitting they're your children (laughs) what are you talking about and I don't feel like people do say that as much anymore I feel like that has sort but it is the sort of language that was in existence for a really long time and actually I do think there is a real sense of if for, for some dads to go do you know what I you know can can I rearrange my schedule so I can pick up the children from school every Thursday because my wife has a late meeting or something like that I feel like there are people there are there are people who feel like they would be really judged for that. Um, and what a shame, what a shame if, that we can't find our way for everybody to just let that stuff happen. Because everybody has children, well, not everybody has children, I'm very aware of that, but everybody that does have children has to make family life work alongside their professional life. And we can't just pretend it doesn't happen. And some people are maybe are lucky enough to have you know, family really close by who can do those things. But there's a lot of us living in London who are a long way from our families because we've we've migrated here. You know, I didn't grow up here. My my family are two hours away. My husband's family are an hour away. We don't have, you know, we're not going to be able to just go, oh, mum, can you pick up Noah from school today because I got caught in a meeting. You know, that isn't going to be my reality. What a shame that people don't feel like they're allowed to have those conversations in the workspace still now, even after, you know, the pandemic and everything that the that hybrid and flexible working has has come from that. There are still people feeling like they can't have those conversations. And I just think it's a real shame. Agree. And I think it goes back to our initial kind of conversation on this podcast about no words, which is. When you don't talk about things openly and when we're not talking about them in professional environments, you just leave people unsupported. They still happen. All our challenges and problems as people still happen. It still affects your work. You just don't have any way to make it better. One thing I wanted to touch on before we finish up is one of the things I found really valuable in my career to help with that talking is things like coaching, mentoring and sponsoring. And in fact, my best ever career coach was a guy who um, told me that for this particular job I was doing, that I was not suited to this job at all. And it was actually such a relief for somebody to give me permission to understand this was a job I'd spent years trying to kind of translate myself into that job so I could be better at that job. And when he said to me, do you know what, I just think you're not suited at all for this job. I carried on doing the job, but I had such a, it was a huge burden off me. And I actually would put that down as one of those moments when a a piece of kind of coaching and mentoring genuinely completely sort of changed my life. Have you had any coaches or mentors who've changed your life or career in that way? I have had the pleasure of working with some incredible people. I've had 
sales directors um we used to work for Pete Charlton who I'm sure lots of people who've been around for a long time he worked in radio for a long time and then um and then in um out of home and I always used to say he just had this way about him that would like inspire you to go and sell your grandmother like who just could get you to just do these incredible things and he he was really inspirational to be around just the kind of boyish enthusiasm I don't remember sort of specific coaching from him I do remember him looking at me so disappointed when I turned up late one morning after the media week awards that I've never been late since (laughs) maybe that was maybe that was a little moment of that um but I have worked with lots of incredible people I I have had kind of unofficial mentors I haven't sort of had a proper mental relationship with anybody for myself I've done it the other way and I've worked with quite a lot of young people and sort of been a mentor through through various jobs and decisions like lots of People who've worked for me, I'm still in very close contact with and, and work with them. No, I, I don't think I have had that kind of level of guidance. I'm, I'm racking my brains thinking, oh, God, what have I forgotten? But I'm not sure I have. It's interesting. Do you think, is that something that if someone came to you now and said, let me do it, would you be open to that? Absolutely. I think I, I, it's not that I've been avoiding it by any stretch of the imagination. And I definitely check in with people along the way I suppose actually as well I've done several jobs that I've been in for a very long time and you kind of form bonds with people that you work with all the time so my immediate colleagues at at work now I'm incredibly close with my peers and I guess we kind of mentor each other a little bit along the way but I think there is huge value in in working with people outside of your day to day um so yeah I'd be really I'd be really open to it it's just not something that I've properly sought out for myself which now we're talking about it I think is probably to my detriment oh well I mean now the listeners now we're going if your mentor is out there Katie they know where to find you (laughs) I think that's a good point about the fact that mentorship it doesn't come in one shape and size that you can mentor people in an everyday way you can mentor people in an official way as long as it helps you it doesn't it doesn't really matter as much so before we finish up is there anything um i think some of the work you've done with particularly with no words has been so extraordinary in our industry and has made such an impact it's definitely something that i encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast please check it out because i think it is i think trying to find a word for something where there is no word is actually such a kind of important and special mission. It sort of transcends advertising and media, sorry, advertising and media, but is there anything you wanted to leave people with after they've listened to this that you think they could do to make a difference to that mission? Yeah, I think there's two things. Firstly, it is understanding and knowing that this will be affecting people in and around your everyday life um so being prepared for having that conversation and sadly if you are you know looking at having a family being prepared for that that it's something that might happen to you as well is really difficult because obviously nobody wants nobody goes into into trying for a family hope it no you know wanting to think about that but i think there is 
you have to be realistic about just the sheer size of the numbers that it, you know it's possible it's not probable but it is possible um but preparing ourselves for those conversations and having those conversations that's the most important thing and it doesn't matter who it is you know if it's if it's someone you work with if it's somebody you know if it's someone in your family the most important thing you can do is not pretend it's not going on so if somebody has lost a baby at any point my advice is to take the lead from that person so give them the opportunity to tell you how they want to interact about it so open that up you know I I understand this is really awful for you if you do you want to talk about it do you not want to talk about it you know if it if it comes down to stillbirth you know ask all the same questions that you would have asked if the if the baby had been living you know what did they weigh what's their name what was you know what's their hair color did they look which parent did they look like you know all of those things because they're really important you know validate the fact that their child was born and I think you know there's there's such important things to do you know we have had centuries of people just not talking about it and it doesn't help anybody so just by talking about it you're preparing yourself for future conversations which you will undoubtedly have as well majority of people listening to this will almost certainly be um people who are interested in words brands and and how we get that message out so uh, my instagram account is at without otterly um so come and find me on there you can um it's not a massively active account but there's a lot of lot of resources and things to find out if you are struggling with um what to say you can also message me and i will kind of help coach you through um any particular situation if i can i'm not a professional in that space but i do you know lots of people do kind of come to me and ask me how to approach situations and you know help me spread the word you know keep talking about it let's not hide it um and if you have got any idea what you think that word should be then I'm very open to hearing people's ideas and thoughts and suggestions perfect well you heard Katie please get in touch if you've any ideas for the word that changes no words we're here here to hear that and if not please just support the people around you katie thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it thank you thank you very much indeed thank you so much for joining us if you enjoyed this podcast please consider sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform we'll see you again in the next episode